Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 51 for Friday, May 3rd. I'm Alex Uri here today with Alex Rudy. How are you doing, man? Quite well. How about yourself? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. This is likely going to be the last international Beat the Shift Baseball podcast for a while. Unless, I, I, I can't imagine we do one. You're, you're still in, in Europe and you're going to be there for another another month or so but considering the pace that we've been making these it's probably probably not gonna be another podcast by by that time so are, are you uh you ready to go or are you you sad that it's winding down out there for you i think a little bit a a little bit b both go hand in hand it's a long time to be in a foreign country as you experience but um it's a special experience and you know if you are to the real world it's you know always bittersweet yeah, it'll it'll be the the end of a very strange era for Beat the Shift. We have people on different continents taking taking over the globe. So uh, era of Beat the Shift. Yeah, it, it it really it really has been. So we haven't done a a regular podcast. I think we've done one or two fantasy podcasts this year since the season started, but we have not done a regular podcast since our 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 season outlook show <laughs> so um a lot's happened a lot's changed in the month of april uh where, where do you want to start should we just like spoil spoil endgame for everybody to, to start things off or if you haven't seen endgame by now i feel like, <laughs> like how have you not been spoiled with it right i i i keep seeing that because people still seem to be upset about spoilers at this point but it's like how, how have you been able to dodge it to this point i mean point? it's been like two weeks i feel like by now like everyone who's me who would be affected by spoilers no one knows what happened you know it's funny not to get too much attention i didn't even think anything happened that movie was that spoiler induced either in all honesty i well, really uh, okay it, debatable <laughs> maybe i just follow like the contracts of actors too closely but you're, you're too invested. Yeah, well, uh, we're not gonna. I'm joking. We're we're not gonna talk about Avengers Endgame for this podcast, although we probably could and make it entertaining. Uh, we'll talk about basically all of April, all of the month of April, and I I think a good place to start that'll give us room to work around. It'll it'll cover a lot of the biggest stories. We'll be going over the April Player of the Months. Um, well, March and April, players of the month. So in the National League, it was Cody Bellinger, who I guess let's let's just start there and talk about how historic he's been. And even after such an amazing start, it's still, you know, it's still up in the air about like, who is Cody Bellinger? Is he is he just this now going forward? Like, is he just going to be one of the best players in baseball? Because he wasn't last year. I think he was really good. He was really good, as, even better his rookie year. But this is otherworldly, what he's doing. Uh, just to, I'll provide a little bit of the insanity to begin before I before I ask your, uh, your opinion. But his slash line for March and April, 431 batting average, 508 on base, 890 slugging. 
890 slugging. That's not an OPS. That's a slugging. And WRC plus of 256, which is, you know, that's on a scale of like 100. So that's that's really high or like centered around 100. And 14 home runs. Him and Yelich uh, set a new single month record or no pre-May record because March, March and April is so confusing and tricky to work around it's like it's it's a couple more games come on it's it's basically a one month but people want to get nitpicky about it uh so cody bellinger oh wait, i totally forgot the the one the the stat that i was going to use to compare to uh to make him even even more godly so kristen yelich was right on his heels pretty much the whole time and was having an incredible month in his own right and Christian Yelich actually throughout the month he ended up with 14 homers was robbed of a home run twice once by Cody Bellinger and once by Mike Trout so i was curious what his slash what his line would look like with two more home runs in the mix there instead of those outs and his adjusted triple slash line Yelich's if he ended up with 16 home runs instead would have been a 372 batting average, a 476 on base percentage, and an 882 slugging percentage. So still lower than Bellinger in all of those categories if if he hit two more home runs. So that, that that's kind of insane to me. Uh so yeah. Let's what do you what do you think about Bellinger? Is he just I think he's god good. now? He he's good. Yes. But is he is he a god now? I think it's just like a sustainable, like he's just gonna be the next, you know, best slugger in baseball. I mean, in some ways, I have two answers to that. Like, he genuinely could be just the best pure slugger. With you know, Martinez, I think declined. Um, Judge always hurt, and Stanton always hurt. There is the kind of this gap for the best pure slugger. I'm like, I'm not really counting Trout as like a pure slugger. He's just more than that, but I also do think Bellinger's stats are so. I think Bellinger could be that player, but I also think this current pace is pretty clearly unsustainable. I think we believe this next prime peak steroids Barry Bonds. I mean, his 442 ISO power is pretty insane, as is his to a lesser degree, his 395 batting average balls in play. I mean, I think he could easily have an MVP caliber season with just modest career-wise production going forward. Um, modest from the guy who, already, who hit 39 home runs his rookie season um, in 132 games. But, um, so, you know, quote-unquote modest. But, I mean, I think, you know, this production will definitely slow down as the year goes by. Yeah, and it's so it's so early that, you know, he's on a ridiculous hot streak, no doubt about it. But even just looking at those Cody Bell or the Christian Yelich numbers in comparison to Bellinger, I realize just how single events, single batted balls can really, really change how how good the numbers look at the end of the day. Like his, I I absolutely love using a baseball savant to look at the the contact, the quality of contact. You you can get to see all that now, exit velocity and 
hard hit percentage and number of barrels that he gets. It, it keeps track of all of that, and it's really great. And he is elite in in pretty much all all those facets. I think he's at a 93.5 uh, average exit velocity on, on all batted balls, which is elite. Like anything above 90 is elite, and he's, he's there too. But he's not like doing things that nobody else in the league is doing. He's just, he's hot. He's really good. He's, he's barreling up everything. And, you know, there's, there's some other players that, you know, you could look at and see with a little bit better luck maybe, or, you know, I don't, I don't know like exactly the quality of pitching he's faced. I'm not trying to take anything away from Bellinger here because if, if it were so easy to do, then other people would have done it before. He's the first person to ever have a month like this. So I it's it's ridiculous. But I do think he, just by nature, is probably going to be a little bit streaky, even as a superstar, just because of the way his swing is. He, his play discipline has looked good so far, which is, you know, a, a reliable indicator of you know, a true talent, but also hitters go through times where they just don't see the ball as well, right? So he's, I'm really going to be curious to see what we say about Cody Bellinger in a month, because I have a feeling it'll either be, oh, remember that crazy month he had to start the season, now he's kind of leveled out, or on the off chance that he just keeps doing what he's been doing, we're going to be like sacrificing our firstborn children to the Dodgers just to make sure Cody Bellinger has like the best season of all time. So there's, there's a lot of different directions this could be taken. Uh, And I think we've spent enough time talking about that. And Ray Estrada is not even here. So um, let's, let's get to the AL player of the month, which is much more puzzling. Tim Anderson, who made the most headlines this past month, arguably for reasons outside his performance having to do with his, um, I, I don't even know what to describe it as. I was going to say bat flip, but his his bat spike, I don't, I don't know what else to, to call it. But on multiple occasions after he had big home runs. Unbelievably, um, I, like the pettiness in baseball, I think they really need to move on from personally before we get into Tim Anderson's actually stat. I really think... I, I, I move like it's and the reaction to his moment there was unbelievable honestly in my opinion I could not believe the overreaction it received I mean the guy I pitchers celebrate all the time and hitters don't hit line drives back at them in well they do they do actually not in response but it happens it's like a net it's like a net response from all hitters is like for for all all my batter brethren who have been showed up after a strikeout, I'm just going to try to hit the crap out of the ball right at the pitcher to avenge you. And, and unfortunately, it's, it's yielded some bad results. Corey Kluber recently. But, yeah, continue with Tim Anderson. Sure. Sorry? Oh, Corey Kluber was intentionally hit by that line drive. Uh, it is... It is uh, up to inter- open to interpretation whether or not that was an intentional Can't tell if driven ball at him. No, how can you? Oh, gee, okay. <laughs> um, 
anyway, the the fact is that Tim Anderson made made a lot of waves with what he did, and it was. I've never seen somebody just take the bat by the barrel and then huck it away towards his dugout in a way that he did. So maybe it was just like a shock factor part of it too. The pitcher's like, okay, I can, I can accept a bat flip, but what is this? Like you're, you're improvising on me. Like, no, I can't have that. I I agree. It's ridiculous, but I don't, it's, it's also ridiculous that he, he has to like take issue with being hit there because like you're not, you're not blind. Like you, you get that's still a thing, right? That pitchers still throw at batters. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it, but you can't be, like, shocked by it, right? And he got uh, hit in the butt. It wasn't like yeah. he did anything dirty. Just, like, if you want to address it, address it on your Twitter or whatever. But you don't have to, like, go out there and start barking at the guy, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I've been looking at this all wrong. Maybe we've all been looking at this all wrong, and Tim Anderson is just doing what he can to become one of the best entertainers in baseball because that really is at its core what all athletes are there they do this for entertainment and maybe he's just refining that he's honing that that tool in his game the sixth tool of baseball is entertainment value and he is as of right now probably near the top of the leaderboards in terms of entertainment value in baseball and I, I can appreciate that if, if that is the case, if these are deliberate, intentional things that he's doing to make people hyped about this game or to strike controversy, then I'm all for it. Tim Anderson, keep doing what you're doing, please. So that's that's my new take on it. Just just uh, now thought of that. Just to get back into the player of the month aspect of it real quick. Um, not that I disagree with what you just said. That was a very good rant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that his stats, his batting average is pretty ridiculous. No. There's, there's 0% chance that Tim Anderson is going to... There's 100% chance that a month from now we're going to be like, remember that crazy month that Tim Anderson got off to? And he's going to look like his normal self in no time he's hitting 352 right now his on-base percentage is only 369 that's 17 points higher he does not walk at all his slugging percentage 565 he, he, nobody put up bellinger and yelich type numbers in the american league unfortunately which is kind of the reverse of last year last year the al had all the good players i i would like to point out how many times i said the al is so, so much better than the nl and so far uh, at the top end, anyway, it has not been the case. But yeah, Tim Anderson, you are not sustainable, sir. Where's where's his BABIP? He his BABIP is not outrageous, actually. Only a four hundred five BABIP, um, which is high, yeah. but it's high, but it's not like, oh my god, that, there's no way that's like, he he's he's fast. He he hits the ball decently well. Like it's not like that's a hot month BABIP right there, but it's. It's definitely not gonna gonna hold going forward. But I do what I do hope holds is just the Tim Anderson experience on on other fronts of the game, other than just his his hitting. So let's talk about uh, some rookies. Rookies of the month are both players that 
maybe maybe Pete Alonso you would have been able to guess going into the year. But uh, Brandon Lau for the Rays. Not low. No, it's Lau. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't lot. it? And I'm pretty sure. The other is the other, is the other Lau also a Lau? No, he, that other one is a low, spelled the same way. The, if you if you're unaware, if you're unfamiliar, the Rays have accumulated pretty much all the Lau, all the lows in in existence. There was there so there's Brandon Lau, uh, AL Rookie of the Month. There's Nate Lowe, who was called up by the Rays play first base and do other things i imagine um it just a few days ago and then they also have i I think it's like the younger brother of of nate low or was it was it lao i i can't keep track anymore but they have the younger brother of one of these players in the minor leagues as well and that's that's three that's three lows on one team so i I don't think anybody's going to beat that anytime soon be clear they're unrelated to each other two of them are two of the three are i think okay but one of them is not yeah it would be weird if they were related and went with different pronunciations of the same name touche mm-hmm. so we can talk about lao first because he's a little less interesting but he was I mean, kind he of might... on the radar to, to yeah. enter the year but definitely not like hyped as one of the best he's not Eloy Jimenez or Vladimir Guerrero Jr both of whom yeah. have done nothing to this point in the season so uh Lau is good he he kind of is what he is right now he he takes some walks he hits for pretty good power that's his biggest attribute and that's that's about it he's probably like a 240 hitter um who will hit I mean, he'll probably finish with somewhere in the realm of 25 to 30 homers. I think he's the next Dozier, pretty much. just kind of how I see him. He doesn't steal bases, though, so he I can't be Dozier. He's stolen bases. How many bases did Dozier steal? Dozier was a, a pretty prolific base stealer also in his yeah. in his heyday. Yeah. Let me find find some uh, of Brian Dozier's great years here. Um, okay, not like not prolific, but helpful more so than than low will be probably um like 21 14 21 12 18 16 um in each of the years with the twins leading up to uh, 2018 so yeah but this isn't a fantasy baseball show really so i it hardly matters um well excluding the stolen bases considering they're both second basemen with mediocre averages and high power, I think there's some... There there are parallels, you're right. And the Rays do a lot of interesting things with their lineups. Um, so we'll see how much playing time he gets, because he doesn't play every day now, against lefties especially. Uh, he does have a 33% strikeout rate, which is high. He walks a little bit. Like He's, he's an okay player, and he had a good month. Um, hit seven homers, so he will continue to right. be useful. But he's not like rookie of the year material. He has a long line of random assorted raised position players that are white and have generic names and are effective. Yes, but here. also the the being white part is no longer a requirement. There are lots of non-white random raised players now, which is you know, good for them. 
Strange names. Yandy Diaz consistent. is one of my favorite players now. He hits the ball incredibly hard and has finally learned to elevate the ball a little bit. Also has seven home runs for the Rays. Um, he was in the uh, the Jake Bowers trade, which was very head-scratching going into the season, and somehow the Rays already look like they came out with the winning end of that. So the Rays are doing lots of good things. We'll talk about those more as we continue along here. But Pete Alonso has been everything that's been at. He's been as advertised, and he's been phenomenal. The power is unreal. We talk about the best pure sluggers in the game. It already might be him, like with, like you said, with Judge and standing out, just based on how hard he hits the ball. Um, I, I, he, it's, it's so much fun. How just all his home runs are missiles, and that's always that's always part of it too. You know, just the, the value of seeing just a huge baseball player get a hold of one. So the Mets, as a team, maybe underachieving, about on par with what we expect. I don't know, but yeah. Pete Alonso is definitely a good, a weird team, an upside. Good grasp on how good they should. The Mets are one game over five hundred in a very tight division. They're in second place right now, and Pete Alonso's definitely done a big part of that. The only thing that I sort of worry about is how he can perform against top-tier pitching because he's definitely done a good percentage of his damage against either bullpens, which is weird because bullpens throw very hard now, so maybe that doesn't hold true with what I'm saying, but he he definitely takes advantage of, of worse pitchers, especially with his power, but he does draw walks, and he does just a lot of other things correctly he, he doesn't raise concerns in in other parts of his game so i think alonzo's legit he could legitimately be the rookie of the year you know there's yeah. in the nl there's also tatis who is unfortunately out right now after doing a spectacularly painful looking splits out at second base um so hopefully he's back soon and back in the race uh other than that who else are there other NL rookies that were looking like they were going to contend for this? Like, who else did we predict going into the year? I think uh, he was definitely one of them, Pete Alonso. So. I, mean, I think Nick Senzo just got called up. He could easily Ooh, end up winning. That, really that, was a good, that was a good segue right there. I liked that one. Nick Senzo is, yeah, he's really good. He's, he's really talented. He hasn't... Uh, had that much time on the field though like last yeah. year he didn't he missed a lot of time due to injury and this year already started the year with an injury but he's back now and he's up with the big club and i i just love watching all these prospects uh come up i saw him in spring training in person also he is he's definitely an athlete i'll give him that so uh, i'm sure we'll talk about him in the uh, in the podcast to come, let's get through the pitchers a little faster. Even though they are very interesting pitchers, Luis Castillo of the Reds, NL Pitcher of the Month, and then the AL is Tyler Glass now, another huge Rays story. He he's a legit. Both of these guys are just legitimately aces now, in my opinion. This you know the one month sample thing is something we harped on before, 
but based on what I've seen, I have no reason to believe that they're not aces. Do you have a counter to that? Uh, that's an interesting question. I don't. I, Castillo's ERA is hard to really believe. I think. Okay, well, they're not gonna they're not gonna stay at whatever. Is Castillo's ERA still sub one or something ridiculous like that? I guess both of them are sub two. I don't think they're true sub two pitchers. Past that, I would say no. These guys are both legit. I honestly know way more about Glasnow's career than Castillo. I don't, I don't really know what Castillo's career expectations were, but I know Glasnow. You know, pretty long touted prospect. You know, um, and. I think the Rays basically stole that made a steal in that trade, giving away Archer for Glasnow and Meadows. It looks like that's going to be, you know, t- team-defining trades for both teams in the direction they're going to be heading the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, if anything, he might even have a better season. I think his strikeout rate could go up, um, though I, I do think his walk rate is pretty unsustainable at the, at the way it is. Tyler uh, Glasnow's? Yeah, yeah, Glasnow's. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think both those numbers will probably end up. I mean, he's only walking. He's walking less than two batters per nine. I mean, that would be his best number since um, double A. I mean, that's yeah. probably sustainable. But, and that's the, uh, that's the breakthrough. Guy, that's the breakthrough there. The next great A's pitcher. I mean, Ray's pitcher, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, that's the breakthrough is that he's just not – he had a hard time finding a strike zone with his stuff, which is probably the most elite – two-pitch mix in baseball if you were to ask me because he has the highest um average perceived velocity on his fastball because this guy is six foot eight has really incredible length and stride and reach to home plate which is tracked now and out of the hand it looks like a 99 mile an hour fastball plus to a hitter which is the calculation based on distance tone play, all these other factors. So does he, and he's of course up there. He's like top five among starting pitchers in average pitch speed, but just how tough he is to hit with his length. And now his, his uh, command of the strike zone or con, I guess it's control control is the ability to find the strike zone command is within the strike zone. I keep getting those mixed up, but he's got that now and his power curve is, incredibly good and he throws a first strike there's that's it that's that's the breakdown I don't, I don't i need to do much more convincing the guy's a stud if if you want more go look at the man crush monday post from this past week on our instagram beat the shift bp so <laughs> let's uh let's move on I, I didn't give castillo any love but he's he's great i've loved him for a long time last year was a little disappointing but he has a really great change up probably I want to say the best changeup in the game. It it just might be. It just straight up might be the best changeup in the game. Do you think one of these guys is more legit than the other? I think Glasnow is more legit, just because yeah. he's so explosive and so raw. And Castillo really does rely on that changeup a lot. So, and we've seen Castillo fail in in ways that you know weren't necessarily because he was he was wild or just all of like he there's been times where he's just been hit and Tyler Glass now I don't think he's ever gone through a stretch where he's just gotten like hit hard you know he if he's struggling it's because he's just not throwing it in the zone at all 
So that's the difference. I think Glasnow is incredible. And I traded him away in a fantasy league, so there's that. Um, yeah, so that's the the players of the month and all those things. That, that gave us a good baseline. We probably won't go too much longer here, but there's just, there's just a few other things from the, the month that that I thought were interesting or that you know, have interesting takeaways. So one of those things would be something that just happened with the Reds and Mets series. Jesse Winker, at the end of, I think, two two of the first three games of this, I think they, they played four games, the, the Reds and Mets did. I could be wrong. But he, he waved goodbye to the fans in City Field as he was walking out the field, turned around, looked at the stands, and was just waving goodbye as he, as he trotted back in. That's something that maybe it's happened before. I've never seen that. He must, the fans must have done something to provoke him to do that. And he, in after, one of the times it was after a sliding catch to end the game, and he was right next to right next to the crowd, and he was like right in front of somebody's face, waving waving goodbye right in his face. I thought it was hilarious. And then in the series finale of that of that series, Noah Syndergaard dominated the Reds, struck out Jesse Winker three times. The last time was in the ninth inning, and Winker argued a called strike. Actually, no, I don't even think he completed that at bat. I think he struck out three times before that and then was ejected after like the second pitch of his last at bat. That was called a strike. And after he got ejected, he the the fans the Mets fans were were waving him they were waving him off the field and that was like the perfect full circle for a story like that that's instant karma I I I thought it was delightful. Do you, I, I don't, still don't really get the beef. I was still I'm still kind of. I think it's just I think it's just so, like Mets fans heckling in the outfield because people always heckle outfielders. It's yeah. it's tradition. It always happens. I, Most I, of the time, sorry, it's it goes unnoticed. Yeah, just, you know, just play catch with the fans between innings mm-hmm. that's the world i want to live in instead i like i like a little bit of both right it's genuine when when a visiting player comes in and you can and you can give him you can give him a hard time it, not in like an overly offensive way of course just you know yeah it's it's banter almost it's like or it's one it's one-sided banter because the players are not supposed to acknowledge the fans that's like rule number one of getting heckled is you're not supposed to acknowledge them um, right and and that's that's the goal of the fan is to to get their acknowledgement in some way and winker gave it in a very enjoyable way at the to end the baseball game um when the fans have no more opportunity to retaliate but they did retaliate which is the best part so uh, it's relatively insignificant an event it's not a cultural shift in any way but i i just i thought it was very fun um do you want to talk about our our big hall of famer yeah well he is literally big um which is assume what you were getting at there yes sebastia i mean three thousand strikeouts which i read is more i mean i read basically how rare it is it's 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 a lot more than I think people really realize. Three thousand strikeouts, especially in this day and age, um, with how much um, like 
how much less pitchers pitch, I guess, essentially, compared to previously in terms of um, total amount of, you know, innings and stuff. And, I mean, Sabathia truly is, you know, the workhorse of our generation, I feel like. I mean, he rarely was the single best pitcher in baseball, maybe. But in terms of pure durability... I mean, few people come close, um, and I mean, he has the Cy Young Award. There's no doubt when he was in his prime on the Indians and the Brewers and first couple of years in the Yankees, I mean, he was, you know, a top five pitcher in baseball for um, a solid um, stretch there of probably five years. Um, and the way he reinvented himself following a pretty poor couple of seasons on the Yankees in 2014-15 to revitalize his career, to lengthen it, to achieve these milestones, is really impressive. Um, he lost weight, it's heart surgery, and um, you know he ha- he's going to end up with probably um, the 16th most strikeouts of all time, um, just after Kurt Schilling. Maybe he'll pass. Maybe he'll end up a little bit higher. Um, get closer to Pedro uh, if he really finishes the season stronger um, at 14. And um, who do you think he's going to go in as? Do you think he's going to go in as a Yankees or Yankee or as an yes. Indian? The, the Yan- World Series ring has to, yeah. to come into play there. Yeah, he's a, do you think he's a first ballot? He might yeah. not be. Well, especially now. Like, who else is first ballot nowadays? Like, there's, there's not yeah. a whole lot going in from, from that era That's right fair. now. Um, so, yeah, CC's phenomenal I, I i always love to point out that like the top two active strikeout leaders like him and who i don't even know who the other person is but it's still still less than nolan ryan which is insane to me yeah um but yeah cc we love you 3000 that's all i have to say um yeah so we'll i'll wrap up by um summarizing a few things that are the same and then also like we'll each share like some of the biggest surprises or what we're most surprised by this year so far. So um, umpires are still awful. That's kind of non-news almost at this point, but it's it's just more fuel for change in the future. Keiko and Kimbrell still free agents. Again, more fuel for serious overhaul of the current system. And uh, yeah, Mike Trout still very good at baseball, I guess. That's another one. Um, not leading in war right now but should be soon i i think he's on schedule to to reclaim his his war lead at some point in the near future so hopefully he gets there um yeah what was there anything from this first month of the season that genuinely surprised you that you has completely changed your view of a month ago i mean i am genuinely surprised how well the twins are doing and maybe their schedule i have to look at their schedule I mean, they just played a lot of bad teams it's possible um but i mean i didn't think that team was gonna have the best record in baseball at any point this season it's let alone a month in i'm sure they'll you know fall back down to earth a decent amount but pretty impressive um i mean they could win the division realistically i don't think it would be that out of the world um i mean i think the red sox they, I think if we had this podcast in a month, they would be the biggest surprise. They're already back up to only two games under 500. I'm sure they'll continue to rebound. 
I'm really surprised. I know you just said it, but I still am really surprised. You know, Kyle Kimbrell signed. I know you said before when we were playing this podcast that teams are just going to wait now until um, the comp, the draft, so they don't lose a commentary pick. And that's a great prediction. I think you're 100% right about that. Um, I'm trying. Is there anything else? I mean, I think um, I think it is worth saying. It's surprising how well the Yankees are doing considering their injuries. I don't think I think it's really easy to hate on the evil Yankees. I mean, they have been pretty much the most value and money ever to be on the DL, and they're second in the division. I think Boone, who had pretty poor playoffs, um, deserves some praise um, with that. And Cashman always kind of just goes to show you how good the GM is. Um, so, yeah. And I'm so surprised Ellsbury is still dead. I'm not surprised by that. That's one of the things they should have included in Some Things Never Change is just Ellsbury still gone um that, that's a good point I, I remember after trey turner went on the dl very early in the season he's one of my favorite players as as you know at this point and i i just said this this is devastating it's like if 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 judge goes on the dl then i'm just gonna hate baseball and it happened like a week later and somehow i i don't hate baseball right now and i think it's because of the yankees backup players doing a very good job uh what I'm most surprised by is probably if I had to pick one thing it it might just be like you talked about the Red Sox and and how weird Chris Sale has been yeah it's definitely changed my perspective a lot I I was convinced he was the best pitcher in baseball uh coming into the season I was wrong about that I'll take that one um the Marlins are as bad as everybody thought they would be. They, they're they doing what we thought would happen last year and just be terrible. They have the worst offense in baseball um, and some decent pitching, actually, which is definitely one of the more surprising things to me. Uh, Caleb Smith has been an ace so far. Trevor Richards has been has been okay. They, they have, they have a, a core of guys that look like they're close to being a legitimate major league rotation and one that's not a free pass, but the offense is just so bad that there's there's nothing close. Um, and the A's being in last place is a little surprising to me. Um, and it's early, but I think part of that has to do with um, with the fact that the the Rangers and the Angels have not been as abysmal as we thought they would be, and that's due to a lot of surprises. Really, I mean, especially in the Angels' case, when you got Tommy Lastella, who's at seven home runs now, I think, has already set a career high. Uh, that's extremely surprising. The Texas Rangers are one game under five hundred. Pretty surprising as well in the post-Beltre era. Joey Gallo is incredible. He's probably one of probably one of my new favorite, most fun players to watch. Like must watch at bats. I have to to switch over to watch Joey Gallo hit. So that's those are some of the biggest ones for me um and then you know some of the other ones are in negative in the negative direction where it's players who i thought were going to be very good have done nothing so i don't want to talk about those i don't want to end on a bummer so hey, what are yeah. you doing i have i have a good one to bounce back Let's throw them out you do quick. i'm oh. too curious so oh like who's been who's been bad 
Well, I, I mentioned the Eloy Jimenez and Vladimir Guerrero have done nothing. Baseball would be a lot more fun if they were doing things. Um, yeah. Jose Ramirez has done little to nothing, and he was supposed to be one of the best players in baseball, so I don't know what's happening there. Uh, so many injuries, of course, too, which is always a bummer, um, aside from the Yankees, of course. Um, who There's, I don't, I don't know who else, like... Some of them have been have been just as good as ever, and they're all in the National League. It seems like Bellinger's great, Yelich is great, Javier Baez is still one of the most explosively entertaining players in baseball. Is always doing something fun, hitting homers, swim move, slides, the works does does it all. Um, the works. The, the does the works. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of surprises just... in the negative direction, unfortunately, too, though. Chris Davis's April was definitely the biggest roller coaster of emotion, I think, of anyone. Yeah, and how about shout out to the the real Chris Davis, the the A's Chris Davis, who started off the season incredibly hot and reached ten home runs in a blink of an eye, and then just decided to strike out the entire rest of the month. So, had the the tables really did turn there. I think they they trade off on who gets the powers of Chris Davis. It it would be an interesting thing to look at, actually. If they ever produce at the same time, or if they just like share their abilities, you must merge them into one super, super jack giant power monster hitter. I think that's the the answer. Okay, like Space Jam style. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I think that's a good place for us to wrap things up for today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. On this one, if you enjoyed it, make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe. Really appreciate it. And make sure you check out our website, BeTheShiftBaseball.com, for all our podcasts and articles and fantasy stuff and just all kinds of good things. And make sure you follow us on social media because we've been doing a lot more stuff on our Instagram especially, at BeatTheShiftBP on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So make sure you go uh, follow us there. That is it for today. Thank you all one last time. The last international podcast. As always, Rudy. Peace.